you know, I can't tell you. Sunday mornings, I just, they're fun for me, you know. I love Sunday mornings. I just don't know how it gets any better than Sunday mornings. You got to live in the world all the rest of the week, and you come in here, and you get to share time with people that love the Lord. And, and uh, you know, we, we may do things a little different around here, but we love the Lord with great passion, everybody. Amen? Amen. We do. Um, without, without a cause, the series we're in, it's the third week for it, and the King's Table is a title uh, for the series. But before I get started there, I wanted to, to show you something about... Everybody, we talk about power a lot and, you know, the power of the Holy Spirit. And one of the things I want to do through this series is, is to understand that I can be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And so uh, I'm interested in that word power um, and what it represents, what it really means. And so I, I, uh, I looked it up and did some studying this week. And uh, uh, Roy, can I use that guitar for a minute? I know you all thought I couldn't play the guitar. Aaron, I know you think I can't play the guitar. But I've watched Rory up here for years playing the guitar, and I've watched Cole back here. I can put with this, I guess. Yeah, on this one, like that. Okay. Now I got it. So I've watched him, and I've noticed these guitars are cool, aren't they? Uh, there's a lot of power in them. So I thought I would just pick it up and... Uh, Don't, this thing's broke. <laughs> this thing ain't got yeah, no power. There ain't no power in this. This thing ain't got no power at all, man. Listen, listen. It don't. I was just. I honestly don't know how to play the guitar. I honestly can't sing. And I never was called to. I have no power over this guitar because I think it's just. I think it's broke. Try that, will you? <laughs> Go ahead. Guitars and instruments we all play is like a bridge to get us wherever we're at in life to people. And then when we get there, we can take everybody to different places together. I know you're a traveling man of some sorts, but for example, uh, let's hear that just for a short moment, the cricket sound. Cole's very gifted. This is you need a glass of water. <laughs> I tried. Okay. I'm first to get this. this Hang on for a minute. We can take you down to Cajun country. Uh, I'll do the cricket. Somewhere. <laughs> 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 when you call your husband's over, 
Thank you, Roy. I'm done. So, I obviously don't have any power over that guitar. Is that true to say? But Roy does, right? You know what the power, when you look at the power in the Word of God, I want you to look at it this way. The ability to do. You guys need to write that down. Power, dash, the ability to do. God gives us power to do things, and he gives us the ability to do them. So when you think of power, always think of it, it's the ability that God's giving us to do what he's asking us to do. He's not asking me to play the guitar. Guess what? I would have an ear for when I was born to hear sounds and I could play the guitar. I don't have that ability. That's not my, that's not my, that's not my calling from God. My calling something different. So it's the ability to do. And that's important as we go through this lesson today. We're going to talk about um, the king's table in, this, in the last part of it. But we're going to be talking about a black hole here real quick. The king holds the power over the, over, over, uh, over the life and death. Uh, you can look at Nehemiah and Esther in the Old Testament. And both of them had to go to the king with a, an important question they were going to ask the king. And it meant their life and death. Kings, we look at, when we look at kings, we don't have kings today on the earth too much. But God gave us these kings, or he allows these kings to take place so we can understand what a king is, because he is the king of kings. A king is something that you bow down to. A king has complete authority over our lives. And we've gotten away from that, of course, but as we, the more we pull away from that, the more we don't understand that God is king. Jesus is the king of kings, amen? He is the king of kings. So we have to understand that that he has complete authority over your life, complete authority over all the kingdom. There is no place for, for pride and arrogance at the king's table. If Nehemiah or Esther would have went to the king in pride and arrogance, they wouldn't have been alive very long. There's no place for it. Only the servant who accepts his invitation is in humility and gratitude are safe at the king's table. So we come to Jesus and we, we come to him. A lot of people come to him because you've got these issues in your life and all these problems. That's fine. Whatever brings you to him. But you've got to realize, you've got to have the humility and the gratitude for what he's done for us. That's part of that salvation. You can't come thinking that you're entitled to something. And we'll be talking about entitlement here quite a bit in a few minutes. Miracles, faith, and obedience started America. The pilgrims started America. In about 1620, they came over on a ship called Mayflower. Everybody know about the Mayflower, right? Well, there was another ship called a Steam Roller, I think it was Steam Weller or something like that. Steam Well came. Well, it cracked about halfway through. They had to turn around and go back. And so only 102 came on that, came on that, but then plus 30 crew members came on the Mayflower. The rest, the other half of the, of the church, the pilgrims, stayed over in England. They were split up. William Bradford ended up being the leader for them when they came over. John Robinson was their pastor. He had to stay with them in England. Now, they weren't entitled to anything. And uh, we've come a long way from them to now. And I'm going to try to show you some things as we go through here. Miracles and faith and obedience is what the pilgrims were all about. They're the ones that started this country. It wasn't a Muslim. It wasn't anything but Christians. They started America. They did it. They did it in the, in the hardest times you can ever imagine. We lay back today in our, in our nice king-size beds and, and air conditioning, whatever we want. There's nothing wrong with that. But as we get softer in our understanding, we get softer to who the king is. They didn't. They understood. And it was life and death for them. They took off on September the, correct me if I'm wrong, 20th, uh, 1620. Is that right? Huh? September 16th, they were going to cross the Atlantic in the Mayflower, which was a wine ship which would never cross the Atlantic. And in fact, nobody should be crossing the Atlantic in September because winter's coming. It was supposed to be a, uh, I'm playing by memory here, uh, it was supposed to be a six-week, three-week, and ended up being eight weeks. They had ran into several tr a lot of trouble as they came over. Uh, they got here in November. As, about somewhere on the way over, one of the main beams broke. And they thought they were all going to die. But so, so how Providence is, one of the programs had brought some kind of large screw, and they were able to put the beam back together, and they made it over here in November. 
Well, November is cold, especially at Plymouth Rock. 102 came over. When the first winter was done, only 47, 47 had died. Most of them women. The first woman, the first person that died was William Bradford's wife. She fell off the back of the ship. They went through great troubles to, found, to, to find this country, to, to be the fathers of this country. And as they did it, they set up things upon the ship that we still go by, or at least we did for a long time. What they call that? Uh, I can't remember. It was a program they set up for the country. As they got off the ship, they had to have a way of a government. They went through great turmoil and loss of life and everything. And when, when the spring came, the captain tried to get them to go back. And they refused to do it. And if the captain hadn't stayed, most likely all of them would have died. So they went through great turmoil to get this country where the start of it. They set it up in a, under the Christian authority, under Christian views, under the guides of the Holy Bible. And I look at the country today and I see, but rebellion, rebellion and Satan's brand of entitlement will finish America. I got a big hammer up here and I got an R on it for rebellion. Because that's what we are under this country is under rebellion. And the more we think that we're entitled to something, the farther away we get from what God has intended us to be. Now what I'll take you through this first division here is called the black hole. After we go through here. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning, Lord, and Lord, uh, I never wanted to preach this sermon, Father, but you asked me to, so I'm asking for the right words of truth, and that my heart's open to understand as long as these hearts are open to understand also, Lord. Let us recognize what you started in this country was something wonderful, and it was under your authority, under your control. You put men and women in in harm's way and so many things happened to him but yet you were always right there with them you were always right there to guide them and, and help them through the path and Lord a few hundred years later Lord here we are so Lord I ask you to help us understand that if we're living without a cause we're not really living at all and in Jesus name we pray amen first Thessalonians 5 6 says for our gospel did not come to you in word only in other words, I, I can share the gospel with people. I can share the truth with people. But it says here, but also in power, the ability to do. And in the Holy Spirit, so the, the Holy Spirit gives me that power, the ability to do. And in much assurance, as you knew, as you know, what kind of men we were among you for your sake. See, I can spread the gospel. I can talk about the gospel. But if I'm not living it Monday through Saturday, it does no good. It isn't, it isn't anything. But yet, Paul was living it all the time so we can say this for our gospel did not come to you in word only you saw you watched you paid attention you saw when i hit my thumb with the hammer you saw and in the holy spirit and in much assurance as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake and you became followers of followers of us and of the lord having received the word in much affliction with joy of the holy spirit the black hole Wow, I was doing a little study on a black hole, and it starts with a neutron star, I believe, and then it goes to a supernova, and then all that is condensed, so much power and condensed down to it, it explodes, and everybody heard of a black hole, right? Now, if we could consider, if we could consider sin as a black hole, if you could just think about that for a minute, sin being a black hole, what it wants to do, it wants to pull you in, so far into that black hole, it says that lights can't even escape the black hole. So if, if sin wants to pull us in so much into this black hole, well, I can't even see light anymore. Because I get so in-depth in the sin that the black hole surrounds everything. And that's what we are. That's a, as, as a people, that's what happens to us. Our nature is to, is to go towards that. In this country, we continue to get deeper and deeper into the black hole. Let me ask you a question, a rhetorical question here. What did you do this week to deserve God's grace? That's kind of a trick question. Some of you couldn't know the answer to that real quick. Everybody say nothing. Everybody else did something, huh? Nothing. 
I did nothing to receive God's grace. Nothing, because grace is a free gift. But see, you know, in the world we live, it seems like every time you turn around that we're entitled to, to just about anything we think of. I saw a thing on the on, on news the other night about they went to the colleges and they were asking the colleges what they're entitled to. My goodness, you know what college students think they're entitled to? Everything. Just name it, everything. And then they went to the employers and asked the employers where are they entitled to. They said for people to come to work and do their job. That's what, they're, that's what, they, that's what they think. That's what they're entitled. That's what they're paying for. But yet the, the people, the students that are growing up, they're entitled for anything and everything they can think of, wherever their mind takes them. And they go get deeper and deeper into that black hole of uncertainty and sin. We're titled to nothing. I remember my dad used to tell me, sometimes I get too big for my pants, and he'd look at me and say, what? <laughs> You're not entitled to anything I have. Go earn it yourself. And I used to think, boy, that's harsh. But you know, that was good advice. It was his. It wasn't mine. It was his. So we either go earn it for ourselves or we get deeper into the black hole. Sin is the blackest hole of all. You can't escape it. It pulls us in and we cannot escape it in our own power. I don't have the ability to get out of there. Narcissism, is that how I pronounce it? I'm going to talk about I'm say that word a lot today. <laughs> I've got to get it out. Everybody say that word for me. It's sin. <laughs> It's all, narcissism is, is somebody that's just completely all about themselves. There's no room for anything else. It's everything they think about, everything involved, they're involved with is about themselves. Me, my, I, 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 it's always about me. No matter what my thought pattern is, it's about me. Now, I hate to say it, but that's the world we live in. But see, the Lord I follow is the exact opposite. It's always about someone else. It's always trying to, to help someone else. It's always trying to bring people together. Not just me because I want you. The pilgrims didn't think of themselves. They wasn't a generation thinking. They were generational. They knew that they weren't going to have a good life the rest of their lives. They knew that this was a beginning, but that their kids and their grandkids and the great-grandkids could have a better life. They were thinking generational. And I think as a Christian, that's the way we need to think is generational. I know that some of the things I go through, I need to be thinking about my grandkids and my kids and my great-grandkids and all that. That's how I need to be thinking about my life, for them and not for myself. How can my grandkids help me? Brayden can get out there and cut the grass. You know what? He ain't going to do it. He's lazy. How can my grandkids help me? It should be, how can I help my grandkids? How can I help them in their life? To understand that it's the way Christ wants it to be. Because the world and this black hole, it just sucks you in. And it's so powerful that it just sucks them in so powerfully. And it's so, it just, you got to get them out of it. You got to grab hold and try to pull them out of it. Living under the influence of a worldly thinking is living without a cause. It is impossible to feel grateful for something you feel you deserve. Does that make sense? I'm going to get into this. We're going to talk about Satan and demons a little bit. It's impossible to feel grateful for something you feel you deserve. Well, you owe me that job. Well, you owe me this. You owe me that. And we get into that place, that's the black hole. That's this living without a cause. Everybody owes you everything. It's not the, that's not what this is about. It's just the opposite of that. It's just the exact opposite of that. But we've gotten so messed up in our thinking and our mindsets that no matter what we're doing, we think somebody owes me. Let me show you something here. Isaiah 14, 13, 15. We'll go through a few more too. For you have said in your heart, this is God's talking about Satan. I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt the throne above the stars of God. I will also sit in the mountain of the congregation on the farther sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Yet you shall be brought down to Shiloh, to the lowest depths of the pit. Satan has a one-track mind called Satan. What he wants is to be God. What he, wants is, what he wants is to have everything that God has. Now, that hasn't changed any. That's not changed at all. That's what he still wants. That's what he still desires. It's all about I, 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 me, me, me. 
Do you know that the, uh, the Puritans started this movement of coming over here? Puritans were passing out Bibles because back in that time, in the 1500s, 1600s before, they wouldn't allow us common folk to have Bible because the government and the church wanted to rule everything, and they ruled it without any people having Bible because if they had the Bible, they would learn to be how to be set free. So the Bible is something that they didn't want people to have, but now we have it, now we, we've got it, and now it's like we don't even care if we've got it or not. But back then, people were dying because they were passing out Bibles. Their lives could be completely destroyed, families taken away because they were passing out Bibles. It's the same today in North Korea, just not in this country. It's the same today in the Muslim countries. We've just got it. We're just so blessed over here. And they're just over the ocean. It's not, it's not in, the, in time or, or so far away they can't get us. It's just over the ocean. So we've got all these things about I and me and all the things that I want, and we're falling in line with Satan. Because that's not what Jesus did. He came down and he healed people. He did miracle after miracle. He gave himself to everyone. Amen? And I think we're called to follow him and not Satan. But when we put all these eyes in our life and, and we think we're entitled to everything, you're following the wrong person. When you think you're entitled to everything you, you want, you're following the wrong person. Now, I believe in safety nets. Don't get me wrong. I believe in safety nets. I believe some good government things are wonderful for people. But I don't believe people being entitled for something when they can work for it. I don't. It destroys the country. It destroys who you are. It destroys what God wants to do in your life. You ever get a phone call or a I get them all the time. I don't know why they call me. I guess, I guess they, I get these phone calls, and it's somebody that I can't understand. You know, I'm doing my best to listen. You know, wow, well, we got, we got a grant for you, a grant. Yeah, you, you can have this $5,600 grant, and you can spend it any way you want to. <laughs> wow, that's cool. I always tell them, no, I don't want your money. I don't need it, don't want it. I'm not entitled to it. Of course, they're lying. They're trying to get more information to destroy your life. But so many people, they fall. You know why they do that? You know why they constantly do it? Because people fall for it. You know why? Because people want something that's not theirs. And whenever we get something that's not ours, oh, man. So that's what Satan wants. He wants something that's not his. So we have to be careful. We have to learn as a church, I'm not entitled to anything but what God allows me to have. You will not surely die. The serpent said to the woman, now listen to this, the serpent said to the woman, talking about Adam and Eve, you will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of, your, of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. I wanted verse 5 too. Take me back here, will you? 4 and 5. Got it? But he did not respect Cain. That's not it. Your chapter ahead. That's all right. I'll go here. That's a different sermon. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. I look at that, and I look at it, and I say, There's, there's several things here. They're in the wrong place. They're where the, the tree of life is. They're not supposed to be around. They're not supposed to touch it. They're not supposed to be, don't, don't even go around that stuff. God said stay away from it. They're in the wrong place. See, a lot of us, turn me down just a little bit, would you? A lot of us get in the wrong place. And when we get in the wrong place, we start to hear the wrong things. We start to do the wrong things. So when they're in the wrong place, you will not surely die. They're listening to the wrong people. Amen. You go out in this world and you want to listen to secular people and you want the, them to counsel you, you want them to, to fix your problems, you're in the wrong place listening to the wrong people. And your life turns up and just explodes because they don't have the ability, they don't have the power to fix you. But I know someone who does. You will not surely die playing with them. Satan just playing with her. 
For God knows that the day eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God. Now, who doesn't want to be like God? It's playing to this entitlement nature we have, knowing good and evil. So they, they buy, and besides, you know, I've said this before, I think, but they're, they're talking to a snake. Snakes don't talk, right? If you've got a snake talking to you, get out of there, will you? Get out of there. You should know right now that that snake don't talk, and I'm in the wrong place listening to the wrong people. And I'm telling you, every time a snake starts talking to you, it's going to be Satan and his demons because they want one thing to destroy your life. You people coming to church, you're a target. You're a big target, and they're going to try to convince you that everything is owed to you, and you're entitled to it. You ever see the commercials on TV? You got people go, oh, going up to a car lot, and they say, well, you deserve it. Your credit's been destroyed once, twice, three times, but you deserve it. No, you don't. No, you don't. You done messed up. You've got to start all over again. But the way we, the way Satan wants us to think, the way we think, we deserve it. We deserve free everything. We deserve free college. We deserve free this and free that. It ain't free. It's not free. Somebody's paying for it, and you're not entitled to it. But see, what I'm trying to help you understand is that the more our mindset goes there, the more we get closer to the black hole where Satan is because that's his mindset. That's not my Lord's mindset. That's his mindset. And when you're playing into that, you're playing right into Satan's ideas and his ways. A woman's right to, to have an abortion. I should be happy. It's my right. It was your right not to get pregnant, period. That was your right. That's it. And it goes right back to the garden here. Wrong place, wrong listening, wrong people talking to you. You need to run from there and stay away from those places. You're not going to find Jesus in the, in the strip club, okay? You're not. You're in the wrong place. You're in the wrong time. You're not going to find Jesus on the, on the porno site. You're not. You're in the wrong place and the wrong time, and it's not all about you. My goodness, if the Christian people would learn that it's all about God, that it's all about Jesus Christ, to further that kingdom and to think generational, not just for today, not what I think I'm entitled to. Have I beat that dead horse enough? Ugly feet. Ugly feet. That's an ugly foot right there. I could take off my shoes and you'd see two ugly feet. Now, Vicki claims she had the most prettiest, beautiful feet in the world. Now, I don't know about that. But she also claims that I got the two ugliest feet in the world. Well, I, know I want to be, be at the king's table. That's what I want to know. I would like to have the faith of those pilgrims to get on that ship knowing that many of them wouldn't survive, but thinking generational, not thinking of themselves and thinking for today, thinking what they... What, what they're going to do is going to matter for the future, not just for them, but for God's kingdom. That they're going to set up a new country founded under Jesus Christ, by the laws of Christ, with liberty and faith and all that leading the way. And of course, several hundred years later, we're destroying all that, acting like it never happened. Just go back to a little history, and you'll find out exactly how it happened. I'm going to pronounce his name right. Mephibosheth. That sound all right? Whew, that's a hard one for these ears that don't hear. Mephibosheth. Now everybody says, who in the world is Mephibosheth? One more tell you something. He's a guy with two ugly feet. And there's a, there's a purpose why we put that. I'm not trying to be mean because somebody has ugly feet because this man was, was dropped at the age of five after his father and Saul, which was the king, were killed. It's Jonathan's son. And if you know your history in the, in the Bible, you know... That's David, King David's friend. It was a wonderful friend, helped David throughout. And this is a time where David is, 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 king, is at the king and he's searching for someone that was left from Saul's reign, a family member that he could help. And if you look at this with the words of what we're going to read, but also look at it in a spiritual way, it's a wonderful picture of salvation. It's a wonderful picture of how God draws us and seeks us out, and we'll show it to you. And the ugly feet part is your life. 
It's your sin. It's the black hole that you're stuck in. But we have a Savior that's more powerful than any black hole in the universe. Amen? He can pull you out because, see, that black hole sucks you in, and only the love of Christ, only the grace of Christ can pull you out. Some of you have been stuck there many years. Some of you are in and out of there. You need to get, allow him to pull you out and keep you out. I'm just going to call him ugly feet so I don't mess up. Meshivapheth, I'll say it one time, came before the king with the right attitude. Amen? Now, we can, the reason I brought this up is that this king's table, and I set this king's table as best I have. That's all I can set up here. But it's, I'm going to call it the king's table today. And going to sit and dine with the king, you know, one day I get to do that. When I, when I die and go to heaven, it's going to be this big feast waiting on us. I'm going to sit at the king's table forever. Amen? I can't, that, I can't even imagine. Can you imagine getting invited to the White House and sit at the uh, president's table? It just doesn't going to happen, right? It's just for certain people. But Jesus said we all can come if we call on the name of the Lord. So we look at it as Jonathan calling and seeking out as Jesus would to us. Grace requests your presence at the king's table, but without humility and gratitude, you'll want to own the king's table. Do you understand that? If the humility and the gratitude, pretty soon you're going to be thinking, that king's table, I want it, it belongs to me, I'm entitled to it. That's just our nature. So without the humility and gratitude, which we will see in ugly feet, we'll see that. Jesus sought him, amen? He sought him out. Jonathan, son, Methuselah. David sought him out. He's a shadow of Jesus, a picture of Jesus here. He brought him to himself. And then he offered him something he didn't have. And he provided for him. That sounds like my Lord, doesn't it? He seeks us out. He brings us to him. See, everyone that you've come here today, guess what? Jesus sought you out and he brought you here. You didn't come on your own because, see me, last week you weren't here. And maybe a, a year ago you weren't even planning on coming here. See, you, Jesus does that. Isn't that wonderful? See, he loves you that much that he's, he's seeking you out and he's bringing you in. And the more you get to know him, the more you get to have this relationship with him, the more you understand the love that he has for you. So he sought him, he brought him, he offered him, and provided for him, and never changed his mind about his ugly feet. Amen? The ugly feet representing the sin in our lives. Then the king said, Is there not still someone in the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? And Zibia said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan who is lame in his feet. So the king said to him, Where is he? The seeking part is he's seeking you out. And he starts to call you. Where are you? Where are you? And Zebedeus said to the king, Indeed, he is in the house of, I don't know that name, of Debar. How's that? Then the king sent and brought him out of the house of Mecher, the son of, however, whatever, from Lodabar. There's the brought part. He seeked him and he brought him. Now, when Methuselah, the son of Jonathan, the, Saul, the son of Saul, had come to David, he fell on his face and prostrated himself. Then David said, Methuselah. Forget that name. That ain't working for me. God seeks you. He brings you. And when you come face to face with God and you realize he is the king, you're going to do one thing. You're going to fall. You're going to fall. You're in, you're in front of the king. But see, if your mindset is the mindset of, of, of the Satan and, and the mindset of what he wants, it's what, what can this king do for me? What can Jesus, what can you do for me if I come to you? You're all wrong. You're, you're coming for the wrong reasons. It's what he can do for you, amen? He's going to do something wonderful for you. But you don't know what it is until you come to him, Amen? You just think you know. Most people want money. Most people want out of the, the trouble they're in. And it's all about you, 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 you. Jesus is not so much all about you, you, you. He's all about him and what he can do for your life and bring glory back to himself. So he laid out and understood who the king was. 
some of you probably have never really done that. You ever really repented with the Holy Spirit just upon you? And you, you felt this pull? And you know that you're so deep into that black hole, you're so deep into that understanding of what you think it should be? You think, I'm not going to bow down to anybody. Seems to be our attitude. And he answered, here's your servant. Wow. Wonderful picture of salvation. This is the way we come to the Lord. He seeks you. He brings you. You bow down to him. And he says, here's your servant. So David said to him, do not fear. Because fear is always a part of it. For I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake. Generational there. Jonathan was a wonderful man, wasn't he? You go back and follow the life of John, you're going to find he's a wonderful man. He, he loved David, and David loved Jonathan. Generational, pulling it forward. And will restore you to all the land Saul, your grandfather. Now, Saul owned a lot of land. He was an important man. He was the king. He owned a lot of things. Now, in my mind, if, in, in our mindsets, my mindset even, and sometimes we would think, well, he's entitled to it. It was his grandfather's. <laughs> no, he wasn't. He wasn't entitled to anything. The king owns everything. He's only entitled to what the king allows us to give. The king wants to give you power over something. He gives you the ability to do it. You're not, allowed, you're, not, you're not entitled to anything. If we could get rid of that mindset, you know how much further we could go as Christians? And understand that when you're in that mindset, you're in the hands of Satan. You're playing right into him. You're in the wrong place. You're listening to the wrong people. Do not fear, for I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake, and will restore you to all the land of Saul, your grandfather. And you shall eat bread at my table continually. What's that word continually mean? Continually, right? Then he bowed himself and said, What is your servant that you should look upon such a dead dog as I? Because he couldn't do anything. He was dropped at a baby and messed up his feet. He had terrible feet. He couldn't walk. He was beholden on everybody else. See, if we can look at that and we come to Jesus and say, what in the world would you want out of me? I am full of sin. I have been stuck in a black hole. And I, you, you, you're drawing me out of that black hole, but what in the world do you want with this broken person? But many of us don't do that. We allow the different parts of our lives to take over and we don't come to Jesus in the right way. And the king called to Zebediah, Saul's servant, and said to him, I have given to your master's son all that belonged to Saul and to all his house. That's called grace. Amen? That's called grace. You therefore and your sons and your servants shall work the land for him, and you shall bring in the harvest. Wow. This church is built on faith and grace, amen? He, he gives us grace to, to know who he is, to love who he is, to belong who he is, and then he fills us up with wonderful people, wonderful music, to what? Bring in the harvest, amen? He just can take care of everything, doesn't he? You know, there's not a problem I don't have that God won't take care of. And if I want to come to God with a, with a situation in my life and I just act like it's all about me, why would he take care of it? I'm not learning anything. But if I come to him and I understand that it's all about him and he wants to take care of it, to benefit him through me, then it's a different atmosphere. Lord, uh, if you let me win that lotto, I'll give that church, I'll give that money to, I'll, I'll give uh, that money to the church, one of them or two of them or something like that. And then you go and win lotto and you say, well, uh, 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 I'll give you 1.1% maybe. Because it's all about you. Lord, just give me this, Lord. Just give me this, Lord. And, and I'll take care of it. You won't. You're wanting to leap jump over what God's wanting to do in your life. Now Zebedee had 15, had 15 sons and 20 servants. Zebedee said to the king, according to all that my lord the king has commanded his servant, so will your servant do. In other words, pay attention to God's word. 
go out and deliver what God tells us to deliver. Amen? And recognize that you're only here because God's called you here and brought you here. All your ugly sin and all. Because he's the one that cleanses us. As, as for Mel, somebody pronounce a name for me. Melshevashev said the, said the king, you know you ought to be me, you can't hear these words. And then get up here and stand in front of everybody. He shall eat, listen to this right now. This is, the, this is wonderful stuff. He shall eat at my table like one of the king's sons. Amen? Did he deserve to be at the king's table? No. In fact, he was hiding. He was hiding out, afraid he'll be killed. But when the king calls you and loves you and brings you in, he wants to hold on to you. Amen? He wants you. The problem with most people is they only want what they want they can get from God. But when you truly come to God in his terms and surrender your life in his terms, you become a child of God. And then the black hole starts to disappear and the brightest beautiful light and the brightest beautiful world starts to take place. And you're not thinking about yourself any longer. You're thinking generational. The reason this country is so powerful and the way it was brought up was because of Christian men and women that thought beyond themselves. They never thought they were entitled to anything. And they lived a life full of Christ. And after them came the fathers of this country. And they put together this government we have under Christ, under God. If you go back and do your history, you'll find out that the first Bibles, the first thing the schools received were Bibles. That's how they learned to read was out of the Bible, the King James Version. They were given to them by the Congress of the United States of America. <laughs> now we don't allow Bibles in schools unless it's a Muslim Bible. We have fallen so far because of our attitude towards God. And we sink deeper into this black hole of the abyss. But Jesus says, I'll pull you out if you just call on me. Amen? He'll pull this country out again. He will. He can use whoever he wants to. But the church has got to pray for it. You've got to be praying for it. You've got to be willing to work. You've got to be willing to think generational and not about yourself. You say, well, how hard is that? If you go back and study the pilgrims, you'll find out that they had left their wives and kids before they came over, sent them on a little raft over to Holland, and the men went alone trying to separate themselves so the government wouldn't come and take and destroy them all. They'd already done that once. Can you imagine leaving your family and putting them out on something that never, may never see them again, but because you knew you had to do it, because you knew that was exactly what the Lord was calling. The men got to holiday. They got a year ahead of time of the women. There was great things that happened in between that. Not knowing that they'll ever see their family again, but willing to do it. Because they weren't thinking about themselves. I would be hard-pressed to send my grandkids, even, where's Brad at? Brad, where you at? Raise your hand, Brad. And, and my grandkids out somewhere where I may never see them again, may not know if they'll live throughout the night, but knowing that is what I'm called to do. Knowing that it's about generational believing. Not about me. Not about everything that I want. That is Satan thinking. We've got to go a long way to go, don't we? long way to go but we can get there amen we can get there the good news is that I have power the ability to do what God asks me to do I can't play the guitar but I can speak about Jesus amen other ones get up here like Brooke and Roy and all these get up here and they sing and Kelly and all they that that's their gift man that's their calling that's their talent their gift is I think one of the gifts, gifts are different, but I think just watching Brooke and some of these other people hold their hands up, that's worship. That's worship. That's worshiping God in a way that it's hard to imagine for the person that only thinks about themselves. People come to churches and they'll say, well, I'll go to this church because I have this type of program. Eh, time out, wrong again. 
You go to a church because God called you to that church. And maybe you need to build the program. Amen? Maybe you do. Just because something, a church doesn't have something that you think you've got to have doesn't mean that's not the reason you go there. That's back to what's that word again? Narcissism. Your narcissism, it's all about you. You've got to get out of that mindset, church. You've got to get out of that. It isn't about that. Narcissism is all about Satan. That's what he is. And I am not a child of Lucifer. Amen? I'm a child of the king. And I'm going to sit at the king's table for eternity. Amen? He's offering that to you today. To sit at the king's table. Pick up your Bible. Start reading it. Start praying over it. And understand, every time you think something comes in your mindset, you get a phone call and somebody says, I've got something for you. Are you entitled to it? Then quit trying to get it. Amen? Quit it. You're playing the, into the tricks of Satan, just like back here at the garden. You're playing right into it. Be content with what God's given you. Work for what is yours. Work for what is yours. I hope y'all don't get too mad at me. But I'm going to preach the truth. Amen? I'm entitled to whatever he allows me to be entitled to. Amen? I'm going to go to heaven, not because I'm entitled to it, but because of his grace offered it to me. I grabbed a hold. And I'm holding on. Amen? That black hole tries to suck me in. If we had any idea how that black hole, how it tries to suck us in. Come on up, Brooke. If we had any idea how that black hole tries to suck us in so much. And every time that sin starts to suck you in, just ask yourself, am I in the wrong place and am I listening to the wrong people? And I just, just guarantee you, you're going to come up with the right answer and you're going to say, yep. I'm in the wrong place listening to the wrong people. And if you look hard enough, you'll probably see a snake standing there. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this message, Father. I pray for the people out here, Lord, they take it home as they want to take it home, as you have allowed them to take it home. That you help them with discernment. Father, bless them today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Words for the week. Who's got them? Yep. Everybody read that for me. Satan is all about Satan, but Christ is all about you. Isn't that right? Isn't that just right? Question for the week. What do you deserve in this world? Next time you get a phone call, somebody wanting to give you some money, just tell them, no, thank you. <laughs> I didn't deserve it, and I'm not entitled to it. And Satan's going to say, uh-oh, uh-oh. If your answer is nothing... You are at the king's table. Amen? Let's stand. I'm going to open up the tables this morning. If you belong to Jesus Christ, if you've surrendered your life to him, you're welcome at the tables as always. One day we're going to be at the king's table. Big, wonderful feast. Tells talks about that in his word. I'm not going to be down in the pits and hell with Satan and all those others. I came to him because he sought me out. He put me in a family that loved him. And through that family, he brought me. And as years went by, I, I failed and I failed and I failed and he kept seeking me out. And many, many years ago, he finally brought me back. And I, I don't ever want to go back in that black hole. You know why I was in the black hole? Because I was a narcissist. That's why I was in the black hole. Everything was about me. I had to have this, I had to have that. I had to make sure that Brad back there had everything he wanted when I wasn't giving him exactly what he needed. 
And by the blessings of the Lord, I got a wonderful son. I got wonderful grandkids in church. But not because of me, but because of God. Amen? He blessed me. Now, I tend to fall back into that narcissism at times. But God seems to always pull me out before I get sucked into that black hole. If you don't know who Jesus Christ is in your life, then your life is all about you. It just is. And you can just think deep about it because everything you've done in your life has been about you and how it benefits you or how, whatever. It's always been about you. The mind of Christ is generational. He gave us great examples of great men and women just a few hundred years ago that started a wonderful country. And as the church grows weaker and goes deeper in that black hole, the country goes with it if you haven't noticed and figured that out yet. But we don't have to go there. I say that continually, don't we? You don't have to go there. I'm not going. It may cost my life one day, but I'm not going. I'm not. Will you stand and not go? Will you think about your coworkers? Will you think about the, the people in the school and the people out on the street when you pull up to the gas station, will you think about that person? When you go into the grocery store, will you think about that person? You'll be amazed at the conversation you can have with people if you just mention the word God or mention the word Jesus. Many people want to have that conversation. It's just that nobody wants to talk about that anymore. But I'm telling you, people want it because it's the only truth we have. If you belong to Jesus and you're heading to that king's table, Come and enjoy the Lord today. If you don't, don't come up here. It's not, it's not for you yet. Surrender your life for Christ. Watch the most powerful and wonderful things happen in your life. The ability to do. Everybody say that. Not for yourself. Not for yourself. But for our Lord. That's the ability to do. That's the power. Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, would you bring? Would you bring them, Lord? Would you pull them out of the hole, Father? Set us up, Father, that we know one day we'll spend eternity with you and the king's table has a chair for me. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.